should be our common desire to have more of the Lord every day in our lives. I'm not a great prayer warrior, and I use that word, prayer warrior, because that's what they use out there in religion, prayer warrior. <clears throat> but I pray. I pray not to move God, but I pray that God would move me to His will, to submit to what He wants in my life. Yes, sir. The person to me when I approach God, the person that needs the most prayer is myself. And sometimes I don't even know what to pray for. And I might not have words to say, I might just sit there and in the quietness of the night. I like to get up and turn all the lights off. Outside lights, inside lights, everything. And just put my fireplace on them. And my fireplace is a very pathetic fireplace. I don't know why they call it fire. There's scarcely any fire. But it's good. It's not bright and distracting. And I sit there and I like to ponder on the needs of individuals and my own need. And to think of a song like this, more of you, I need more of God every day of my life. And I know that there might come a time that I would say like Paul, I'm not ready to be offered. Seems like I say a lot of this all the time, you know, like life is coming to an end. Well, I was telling Sister Anne-Marie this morning, we had a little chat, and I was telling her that whenever on the spur of a moment I decide to do something, it always turns out beneficial. And when I sat that day and decided I need a medical examination of my heart, my lungs, um, everything I could have, have checked, um, I would not take it lightly uh, because it's important. It's not like I'm planning to die. And if when I see the doctor this coming week, I'll try to see him and find out what the results are. It's my arteries clogged. What's happening? He don't think anything is wrong with me, but I just wanted to check. If he tells me that I need surgery or anything like that, or my arteries are clogged, and you know, human body, we don't die because we're healthy. We die because our body gives up. Uh, we, as we age, eyes give up, your lungs can scarcely breathe, your blood pressure goes up, your glucose level goes up, all kinds of things happen with this human body. But you know, it was so pleasant for me to sit in front of one of these persons examining me uh, last week. And I told the young lady, I said, do you know this heart that I got here? She said, yes. I said, this has been beating nonstop for 72 years. Isn't it amazing? Never got tuned up. Never got an oil change, but keep on working for some 72 years. Isn't God amazing? And how we treat our body is very important. And maybe by the ending of this service today, I'll have us look at Romans chapter 12. But before we go any further, um, I would not like to build the early church afresh.
time frame. And if we're to take ourselves and go back to the early church days, we've got to change a lot of things. If we're to bring the early church, transport them here to the 21st century, they will be shocked to death. They've got to, they'll be surprised at what we call discipleship. And so times have changed. And when I think of the early church, I'm thinking of a scripture in Acts, the second chapter. And we want to look at that today just for a little bit as we pass on here. In Acts, the second chapter, and I appreciate Luke putting this together. And he did not compromise with error. He, when he sees when he, as much as things were exposed to him, he wrote that. I think he covered over flaws uh, that he might have seen. He lived with Paul. Uh, he traveled with Paul, and he might have seen flaws that Paul had. He was there that day when Agabus prophesied and told Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Uh, through the Holy Ghost. And Paul still went to Jerusalem. Uh, when they told him he was going to be bound by the Jews in Jerusalem, the Apostle Paul, stubborn as he was, he reminds me a little bit of me because I could be stubborn too. Last night my family was telling me that the reason why people get scared and nervous is because they can never do things to please me. I didn't know I was like that bad. You know, um, I, I'm particular. Uh, like the tenants here, they wanted Wi-Fi, and so I told them to get Rogers to come in. And when I look at what Rogers did, where they put that, out, uh, that, in, uh, that outlet box in the middle of the wall, I told him to, yesterday I came up here just to tell him to call back Rogers. And if Rogers can give me a call, I'll tell him, don't send a cowboy this time, send a technician. A person that's got brains that will understand that if the electrical box is at the bottom, they need to put that intake thing to the bottom and put it properly because it's not installed properly. It looks like a cowboy installed it. Now, it's God's house. I don't want something sticking up. We got too many pipes all over already in this church. I don't want something unseemly set up. Now, is that being hard? No, it's being nice. I'll tell the guy nice, nicely that, you know, you did a lousy job the last time you came. I wouldn't lift my voice. I would say that you did things like if you came from the Western country uh, in the early days of the cowboys. Very nice. I wouldn't get angry. I just tell him decently that he did not do a good job. Because this is God's house. We want it done right. Yeah. And when we're thinking about the early church, they operated a whole lot of different time frame than we were operating. One of us would not survive one week if we are sent back to that period of time to live. No internet. Our young people will die for lack of looking at cell phones. Um, our elderly ones, I would pass away because there's no facilities to use. No washroom, no uh, sanitizing equipment, no hand sanitizer, nothing like that. 
You know, like, how can you survive? Well, similarly, we can't bring that early church and get it started over here. Even though the price of discipleship remains the same. The demands for godliness remains the same. The methods that we pursue might be different. And the environment that we live in might be different. Here in, Ma in Acts, the second chapter, in verse 41, it says that David gladly received the word, his word, that's Peter's word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. About 3,000 people came on in to get baptized that day on the day of Pentecost. About 3,000. And uh, I like how Luke says that. About. You see it already mentioned about 120. Use the word about. One of my favorite words to use in this day we're living in is a word called speculate. Because I can't be dogmatic on doctrines that are like scanty. I know there's two in the Godhead. I know there are certain doctrines are wrong. That's positive. But when it comes to predestination and talking about the elect, I cannot voice the opinion of some theologian out there in society. They're great men. There are men out there like Tozer and Pink, uh, great men that are powerful theologians. Martin Luther was a good theologian in his time. But I will never bring Martin Luther to pastor this church, nor Arthur Pink, nor A.W. Tozer. They did not believe in the Holy Ghost baptism. They did not believe in speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. And because they had such a vacuum and a main element missing in their lives, we might be an ordinary church, but still they can pastor this assembly because we need the Spirit of God to direct us and lead us. We believe in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost baptism. And so it says here, when they all received the word, and verse 42 says, and they continued uh, to serve the Lord. Last night I was in church, and while Brother John was preaching, I went and sat at the back. I sat on the first pew in the overflow, and I listened to the message, and I looked at the congregation, and there was 14 people in church on a Saturday night. And to me, it is the impression of a backsliding church. To me, the amount of knowledge God has given me and placed in my heart is not worth the while staying in a city that rejects what you're doing and serve God at their convenience. That's for me. And the thoughts were running through my mind as I sat there and looked at the congregation. And Brother John was preaching, Brother Sam was sitting up here, and we had some people that were faithful but faithfulness is a rare commodity in our day. This is not Harvey's hamburger joint where you have it your way. It's either God's way or the highway. And that's the gospel I preach. All right? Now, you might have a legitimate reason for not being in church in a service, and that's fine. People might have legitimate reasons for not being around. 
and that's fine, but if we are just allowing COVID-19 to destroy our faith rather than build our faith, it is sad. It is a sad day. And so they continued steadfastly. That's the early church. In spite of the lack of facilities, in spite of the fact they did not have automobiles to travel with, in spite of the fact that they walked for miles with bare sandals and uh, they did not have air conditioning, they suffered back there, but they served God steadfastly. They served God steadfastly. Everybody said that word, steadfastly. Paul said, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing, hold your finger in, in Acts, the second chapter, and today I will go slow until time is up. In uh, Romans, the second chapter, uh, we're dealing with second chapters here. I leave Acts, we're coming back to Acts, but in Romans, the second chapter, and verse, um, verse uh, 7, Paul writes to the Romans. He never went to this church, but he's writing to it. He says, to them, to the Christians, to the saints, to the born-again believers, if I can use that terminology that is so popular among Charismatics and Pentecostals and Evangelicals, to them who by patient continuance, we do it today, we are faithful tomorrow, we are faithful a month from now, we are steadfast, we are faithful, patient continuance, what are you doing? Uh, seeking to get rich. No, no, no. Let's find out what they're after. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing, well-doing, pleasing God, doing being a good something to society. We live in a society that's ungodly, but we can let our lights shine. Yes, sir. And he goes on, he says, uh, to seek, doing, seek, for glory. They are seeking for the glory of God. And Jesus is coming back with great glory. And when we look upon him, we'll become like him because we'll be changed if we qualify to receive his glory. Uh, so they seek for glory. They're seeking for God's honor. And they're seeking for immortality. Immortality is something you have to seek for. And this is how they're doing it, because they want this, they want glory, they want honor, they want immortality, they want eternal life, they have to be patient, continuance in well-doing. Yes, and tonight I want you to know that if I didn't think Wednesday night was important, I'll cancel the service. And if I did not think Saturday night was important, I'll cancel the service. The fact that I kept it there was because at least it's not as bad as it, uh, it can become. When we came to Canada, we had church on a Saturday night, 7.30. We had church on a Sunday at 1 o'clock. We had church on a Sunday night at 7.30. We had prayer meeting on a Tuesday. We had service on a Wednesday night at 7.30, and we had prayer meeting on a Thursday. We almost met every day. 
And on a Sunday night, we had a band play. We had people attending church. We had people dedicating themselves to the work of God. You understand what I'm saying? We had the work of God so important and so committed to the, the people, so important to the people that they were always there. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing, they seek for honor and glory and immortality and eternal life. And back here in Acts, the second chapter, it says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Someone says fellowship is like two fellows of the same ship. Well, that's a good description. But fellowship means I don't only see you once a week. Fellowship means we communicate with each other. I'm a person that really, really, really like isolation by myself. And that is because I feel that I can gain strength when I listen to the message and I'm by myself most of the time. What did you do when you were growing up as a young man? Same thing. I was always isolated. I was always a loner. And that is how God has raised my life. Uh, what has led me for years is dreams. We, I had dreams. One dream after the other before I found this uh, ever came to the United States in 1975. The Lord gave me a dream about a, the kingdom of God and uh, paradise and things like that. The Lord gave me a dream. Uh, dreams have directed my steps. I stand here today. There are dreams I can't even tell you that the Lord has given me. And it has given me insight. Some dreams are just used to a waste of time. But some dreams have given me direction when I think about the future of the church. And that is why it is important that I care for the future. And I must do what I feel the Lord has inclined me. I have dreams about Haiti. I have dream about Africa. I have dreams almost all the time. Uh, they are experiences God has given me. I remember, I believe, seeing an angel in the basement protecting my life. I had dreams before people backslid and left the church that they will backslide. But I can't put my dreams and tell you before it happens. A lot of times I wait until the dreams are fulfilled and then I know, God, you did show me that. I had dreams when I was married, just married, and uh, we would have, uh, we risked our lives because Sister Chan and I were just married, but I dreamt she was pregnant. Remember that dream? And uh, we were caught in a riot. I said, oh, and I told my mom, she says, be careful on the road. But that dream, when it was being fulfilled, and I hope we are opening the fence and pushing you over, and you were pregnant, I remember that dream. And I knew I was doing the right thing, and there was something else I needed to do. God has led me by dreams all my life. All my life. When I came to America in 75, I knew I was going back to Bayana before immigration turned on the request for immigrant status. I knew I was going back to Guyana to take wine for the spiritual wedding. I knew that. 
The dream is fresh in my mind. Dreams that come from the Lord are always fresh in my mind. And so God has led me. And Paul, uh, uh, Luke is writing here. It says these people continued uh, in steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the teachings of the apostles. They did not come with their ancestral doctrines. They took the teachings of the apostles. See, God was moving on from the old teachings of where they were coming from, the Mosaic law and the ceremonial law and the Sabbaths and the ceremonies and the incense and the candles. They were moving away from that and it was not easy for the children of God who were Jews uh, to come to the Jewish temple one day and then meet for service in a, in a house the next day. It was hard for them to break off from circumcision and take on a new life. But the Mosaic teachings was pushed on a back burner and the apostles' doctrines became priority. Did they chuck in the law of Moses? No. The moral laws of Moses that Moses offered to the children of Israel were perpetual even unto this day. The ceremonial aspects of what they were doing back there was ended at Calvary. And now that the apostles were teaching them how to live in their society in their day. Listen to what they did. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and they were breaking bread. Breaking bread here is not communion. It's having meals together. And in prayers, prayers were a vital element for their development. And fear, the fear of God. That is the great lacking element in our day. If you can have the fear of God, you will understand what it is not to miss church. We lack that. I can't give you that. I can't package it. If it was possible to give you in a drink, I'll give you. It's not possible. The fear of God must come from you, from within. And here is what says that fear and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And you know, God has been good. And Brother John told us last night, he reminded us how there were times when God worked miracles in our midst. And I believe God will still work miracles in our midst. But if your sickness and your trial was given to you for a reason for your spiritual development you will not be healed until that problem is corrected in your life can be the biggest faith healer come into town if God is working in the lives of the elect you will not be healed until that job is complete and I believe Paul had a thorn in the flesh and it never went away until he came to the end of his life and he says, I'm now ready to be offered. I pray that one day I can say the same thing. I'm now ready to be offered. Can I say it today? Nope. Would I say it tomorrow? No, I don't think so either. I think there's still a process. I have not yet apprehended that which the Lord has apprehended me for. But I believe in the message I preach. I honestly believe in the message I preach. And uh, he went on here, he says, and all that believe, 
here is what is different today. Uh, all they and all that believed were together, and they had all things common. Uh, how come they have all things common? Nobody was richer than somebody else. They were trying to be all together. And some of them sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men that were a part of their group, as every man had need. Uh, you had a piece of property somewhere, you sell it. And <clears throat> you had extra money, you bring it in and make sure that the needs of everyone in that a group of individuals was met. This is the early church 2,000 years ago. Today, I would not advise that you sell your property. You need a place to live. You need to pay your rent. So hold on to some of the money to pay your rent. Jesus told his disciples, when you go, don't take a script for your journey. Script might have been a purse or something like that. Uh, today, if you're going to travel, and uh, we're living in a different day and age, you can't get on a plane without a passport going into a foreign country. Today, you can get on a plane without double vaccination. Different age. You can't bring somebody back there and tell them, get them to settle here. They'll think we're all backsliders. And you can't take somebody here and put them back there and help them to live. We've got to understand what God demands today what are the evils today and how we can swim and keep our heads above the flood? But the responsibilities on each one of us. Discipleship has not changed. Deny yourself still exists. Take up your cross still exists. And follow the Lord still exists. We cannot serve God at our convenience, even though in some cases it might be necessary to do that. All right? And sometimes it is necessary. And it says they sold their possession and parted them to every man that had need. And they continued every single day of the year. You know, I was checking this out. You got a calculator? Uh, take, take your calculator quickly and calculate 365. 365. This is interesting. You'd like to see my bank account. I'm letting her calculate. 365 times 72. I've lived 26,000 days. Since I was born, approximately 20, that sounds like not a lot, right? 26,000 days since I was born. And I mean, think about it, <clears throat> God has been good. And so, the disciples in the early church, that's just for information, you can go home and calculate how long you've been alive <laughs> and uh, how long you're serving the Lord. But they continue daily with one accord, they did not go in a Honda accord. This was a unity. They were living in unity. They did not have divisions of doctrine. They did not have the ideologies that were different. In today's world, I tell you, I got the Holy Ghost. 
and it's keeping me alive. And while I'm singing, I got the Holy Ghost and it's keeping me alive. And Nadine is singing, I've got the Holy Ghost and keeping her alive. Her concept of God is different than my concept and we got the same Holy Ghost. See, I have a question about that. The Holy Ghost will not allow two individuals filled with the Holy Ghost to think contrary. The early church, they were thinking alike. They are in one mind. Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, you should be of one mind. One doctrine, one concept. When we're divided, the devil brings false doctrines in our midst. And we've got to figure out if the guy I'm listening to has the false doctrine or I have the false doctrine. So I cannot be so overconfident in what I have until I examine it and pray and let the Holy Ghost direct us. We need the Holy Ghost more than ever. More of you, Lord. Yes, sir. I need more of you, Lord. I need more of the Spirit, the genuine Spirit. The moment you start to fake it, you will continue for the rest of your life faking it. Don't start a faking experience. So the early church, we're looking at them, and you know, I've got 10 minutes left here. It says, and they continue on accord from house to house, and they eat their meat with singleness of heart. All they wanted to do was serve God. That's what singleness of heart means. Praising God and having favor with all the people. See, I can't comprehend why two saints in the church would not communicate with each other because they have things against each other. I can't comprehend that. I really can't comprehend that. How two children of God in the same church are gossiping about each other. I can't comprehend that. I can't comprehend how some people feel superior to other people. You see, it's hard because every day when I sit before God in my little corner, I see myself needing God so much in my life. Am I like Jesus? Not in the long shot. But I'm trying. I'm asking him, was I, am I the same way I was 10 years ago? No, no, no. I've changed. Where am I in the journey? Well, I'm trying to see the end line there. And it's a little ways off yet. Pray for me. Pray for me that I can make it. And so when I'm thinking about the early church, this was the early church. Uh, Jesus said, don't take script. We, can, we have to take script. And the early church uh, can sell their property. I would say keep some properties and have some collateral build up because if we need to buy a property uh, that's uh, expensive, we need guarantors. Different age. Different age. Uh, how would the early church operate with an internet gospel? The devil has every possible device that he can come up with to undermine the progress of the church. For this church in today's world to exist, we need members. We need a congregation of faithful believers. Number one, we need people. We cannot afford 
empty pews. We need to see numerical growth. Then beyond that, we need financial stability. I want one of the ushers in the future, when we have church, not to put this offering plate here until church is done. All right? Can you please do that? I tend to forget these things. Can you take the offering plate and keep it somewhere? And when church, when I'm finished preaching, and I pray, then you put it there, and then we sing a song, and people worship God with their offering. Yes, and listen to me, saints, those in the treasury, sister, dear sister Althea, the money is holy. See that money? It is given unto God, it is holy. Don't leave it sitting in that plate. When it comes and it's, the offering is collected, an usher takes it to the office, carefully transport it. Don't just grab it off the plate. No, take the offering plate back and treat it as money that's holy. Whether it's $5, and it was so good, I looked at Melanie the other day coming in when we had this offering giving up there, and she's walking in with $10 in her hand, putting it in the offering. And that's amazing. That's amazing. Yes, sir. There's a, la a lady sitting there, $10 in her hand, and she put it in the offering. You know, I'm retired in the sense from a secular job. I'm retired. And every month, every month, we look far for our old so so um, social insur insurance, right? What they give you? CPP. CPP deposit. And our Canada pension come in. Uh, we got two, she's got one, two checks, and I've got two checks. Um, hers is so small you need a microscope to see it because she never works, so she never pay a lot of CPP, right? Uh, it's uh, less than $200 she gets every month on that, and you go up to maximum, all is less than $500. Do you know that when I have my Canada pension comes in, I pay tithes off of that? Do you know I'm one of the best givers in this church? Retired, pensioner. Well, I sell drugs on the side. No, I don't sell nothing. I believe that every income that comes to me, tithes must be paid. And when I pay, uh, you know, well, I got, uh, today my tithes would be $175.33. When I see tithes like that, it's a joke to me. What you do? Divide it by 10 and give God up to the To me, that's a joke. If my tithes is $10, I make sure I put 15. That is why I'm here today. That is why God still touches my mind. That is why I still prosper as far as I'm concerned. When it comes to the things of God. Amen. Every income. Listen to me everyone. Every income that you receive. The church is supported today. Not like 2,000 years ago. By your tithes. Yes, and when you pay your tithes. Your offerings is still to come in. I pay tithes from my pension. And every income that comes to me. And I told Sister, Sister Indira yesterday, 
As a sister Indira, you know the people downstairs are having 10th anniversary today. Uh, they're celebrating 10th anniversary and they did some work and some cosmetic work and some, uh, they spent about $7,000 and fixed the place up really nice. I didn't give them a document because I wanted to see the finished work. And I said, you know what? I wrote a little offering, I wrote a little envelope. I got a little card, very nice card about God blessing you in your work. And I sent $150 uh, to give them as a little offering to the pastor and his wife. You know, he wrote me back and he says, uh, we will take that and go have a dinner. Me and my family are going to have a dinner this coming week. And I told her, sister, here yesterday, I said, don't worry, I put back this money in the offering. Because I cannot put an unnecessary, well, it's not unnecessary, but an extra burden on the treasury when I'm there. Normally, the church will buy me a van. But I bought the van this past. van that we got out there, I bought it. My own money. RRSP cashed in to buy a van. I'm going to live. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He has never failed. He has never seen. David said I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed. Begging bread. And I. The amount of things God has paid me with. with when he touches this mind. And touches this heart. And give me an inspiration of things. That I've never seen before. I can never overlook that because God's good to me. Amen. If somebody gives you $100, 10 is tithes. You got it? Pay your tithes. Pay your tithes. Yes, if you're broke and your family would starve because you're paying your tithes, that's okay. Uh, talk to me about it and I say, feed your family because that's more important. Wouldn't that be ridiculous if I stand in front of this church and says, everybody in this church, make your will out to the church? Not this pastor. Your family is important. You understand what I'm saying? Your family is important. And I had to tell a young man the other day, uh, his pastor told him to make his will out to the church. And you know what I told him? I said, go and change that will. And put your family in. And you can give the church 10%. Come on. Life is important. And you're important. And if, as long as you can support the church. Support it. And if you can't. We will help you out. But today's church. Needs today's support. And there are things that God has helped us with. Over the years. And I want you to turn with me here. Um. <clears throat> To Romans 12. I've got just a few moments here left. But in Romans the 12th chapter. Paul is writing to the church at Rome. And this is what he's telling them. And I want you to think about it. Today I walked up in a lot of documents here. I had a letter written to this church. Uh, past uh, Dealing with the past 30 years. There was a letter I wrote to the church before this. Um, if anyone has a copy. I'd like to have a copy of that. The first letter was a letter written to this church, and I had points, like itemized points, 
of how to serve God. I think Brother Phil always had a copy of that in his Bible. You've got a copy, I need a copy of that. And then this one was reminiscing on the past 30 years. This was another beautiful letter. Uh, this one here is Discipleship, a Dying Concept, the letter I read, wrote to the prisoners. Uh, there, was another, uh, there was another letter that I wrote uh, that was called uh, Christian Suffering, a letter that I wrote to Sister Melinda. I prefer to write letters because it's easy to express yourself. You don't have a lot of big language you're going to use because you're writing to a simple person. And uh, that one was good, but there are articles like Fate to Endure, uh, Shopping for Your Cross. These things are like gospel. If you read them and sit down and apply them to your life, you die saved. Amen. Not because I'm some great guy. Listen, I can lead you to Christ today and before it's all over, I'm a castaway. God's the final judge. And your dedication to God is important. And Paul writing here, and I'm closing off with this, he said here to the Romans, uh, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Can you imagine if I'm reading today's language, he says, I'm begging you. Because of God's mercy in my life, I'm begging you. I'm beseeching you. I'm begging you people. This is what Paul is saying. If Paul was standing here today, this is what he'd be saying. I'm begging you. By the mercies of God, please don't take God's mercy for granted. He says, by the mercies of God, I'm begging you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You're not that lamb that was slain on the altar, but you're that lamb that is slain today. Let your life and your body be a living sacrifice. What kind? Holy. H-O-L-Y. Holy. Without blemish. Holy. He says, and acceptable unto God the Father, which is not asking you too much. Verse 1. I beseech you, I'm begging you, Paul is saying, and I'm begging you today, by the mercies of God, don't take God for granted. When you reject truth, God will give you strong delusions that you believe a lie and be damned. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And so may God help us. One verse is all I needed here, and may God help us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this day in your house. And I pray, Lord, that you will continue to strengthen us and enlighten us, we pray, Father. Let this message, O oh God, and the reality of the demands for discipleship in our day challenge our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen.